3: Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
4: Yeah, that's time again. That's right. Sports Overnight America. I'm Fred. You can email us. Sportsfred at AOL.com. Sportsfred at AOL.com. You know this is a different kind of show. We'll talk the political side of sports, economic side of sports. We'll talk sports, period. Email us. Sportsfred at AOL.com. We're heard everywhere. We really are. Uh, Sirius 217, XM203, all the apps. Sports byline, sports map, uh, radio stations like KSHP 1400 in Las Vegas, Nevada, American Forces, Gals and Guys, You Stay Healthy. We'll be joined by our regular guys, uh, Mark Mancini, the World's War Sports Handicapper, joined by uh, Art Source, former kicker for the Rams and the Trojans of USC. Also, um, interesting book, Call Him Jack, the story of Jackie Robinson, Black uh, freedom fighter. Uh, the author, to Williams and Michael Long, and uh, Mr. Williams will be with us on this very program. We'll play some Barren sports trivia, but so much is happening in the world of sports as usual. On Thursday night, the Bucks lose again, 27-22. And, and actually, uh, Tom Brady did not play poorly, 26 out of 44, but uh, really, uh, they always found a way to lose. They had two touchdowns called back by penalties, things like that. They lose 27-22. Uh, to the Ravens. Okay. And then we wake up uh, Friday morning and the divorce is for real. And Giselle and uh, Tom are breaking up. And so you can imagine playing quarterback. First of all, the team's lost twice in a row at that point. And you're playing quarterback, trying to break the streak. And you know that people are soon going to hear that you're going to be divorced after what uh, 14 years of marriage 13 years of marriage horrible situation for Tom Brady and now i read tom brady uh, if they're not in the uh, <laughs> super bowl uh he is going to be uh one of the uh, color commentators or sideline guys or something for fox so yeah, i don't know if it ever ends it really does not uh cooper cup of the rams indicates yeah with the, with all the cte and all the concussions we should be playing on pure grass fields. He's hundred percent correct, but of course that's not going to happen. 50 years from now, I guarantee you, we will be playing flag football. And um, it's the way it is. I grew up playing tight flag and tackle and believe me. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it'll sell as well as uh, uh tackle does now in the NFL, but uh, flag football still fun to watch uh, as far as baseball is concerned. What about the future of Aaron Judge? What about Dandy Swanson of the Braves? What about Trey Turner? What about Carlos Correa? Where are they going to end up? Pickleball. You ever heard of pickleball? Sort of a combination of badminton and ping pong. Uh, a big story on real sports with Brian Gumble this month. We'll talk pickleball, too, all straight away on Sports
5: Overnight, America. This special report is sponsored by Coca-Cola. Summer is here, and Burger King will help you beat the heat all season long with the newest frozen Fanta flavor. What is it, you ask? Well, the mystery has finally been solved. The newest frozen Fanta flavor is... Strawberry Shortcake. Its color may be electric green, but this cool drink is packed with juicy, refreshing strawberry flavor. Easy for grab-and-go adventures, Frozen What the Fanta Strawberry Shortcake is your sidekick to summer. Whether you're headed to the park, the beach, the pool, or just trying to stay cool, stop in or hit up the drive-thru at Burger King and try the chilling, thrilling Frozen What the Fanta Strawberry Shortcake for just $1 plus tax. It's no mystery that your refreshment is guaranteed. So go ahead quench your thirst with a frozen what the fanta strawberry shortcake for just one dollar plus tax only at burger king have it your way not valid in alaska or hawaii this special report was brought to you by coca-cola
6: hi this is staples so
4: rumor has it that staples has everything i need to ship
6: that's not a rumor we have all the shipping supplies and services you need
4: boxes yep mailers Yep. And I can actually ship there, right?
6: We have UPS right here in store. Huh.
4: What will Staples think of next? <laughs> right? No, seriously, I'm asking, what, what will they think of next?
5: Staples has all your shipping supplies and UPS service in store. And right now, get 25% off UPS Express shipping services. Staples, the best kept secret in shipping. And 1231, valid only in
6: Staples U.S. stores. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors. About bundling your home auto and other vehicles. Any sports fan knows defense wins championships. Your championship is your boat, motorcycle, RV, or TV. And your best defense is the round the clock protection offered by Progressive, which is like having a goalie, a seven foot shot blocking specialist, and a linebacker all wrapped into one. Which to circle back means you're going to win the championship. Because you know, defense. Forced Metaphors. Presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations.
5: Your bills are due on the 13th, but you don't get paid until the 15th. Sound familiar? Life doesn't always wait for payday. Get the NetSpend All Access account for your everyday mobile banking needs and get paid up to two days faster with direct deposit. Get started today at netspend.com and go beyond banking. Banking services provided by an account established by Pathword NA member FDIC. Faster access based on comparison of our ACH processing policy versus posting funds at settlement. Deposit account opening is subject to registration and ID verification. Terms and costs apply.
4: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Sports Overnight America. I'm Fred. You can email us sportsfred at aol.com. Later, we'll talk to you, Earl Williams, along with the Michael G. Long. They've written Call Him Jack, the story of Jackie Robinson, Black freedom fighter. Right now, we got our own freedom fighters uh, in uh, Art Source, former kicker for the Rams and the Trojans, and uh, the world's worst sports handicapper, Mr. Mark Mancini. Of course, the big story in sports the future of pickleball. Uh this month on Real Sports uh, they opened the open segment opening segment was on pickleball. Now I grew up a really solid ping pong player, a champion in Culver City. I was a horrible tennis player. Now pickleball is sort of in between badminton and ping pong. Now Mark, have you ever seen them play pickleball? Pickleball because on Real Sports they were saying that they're taking over the tennis courts. People are quite upset it's a noisy sport because the paddle hitting the ball, there's this weird
2: sound. Mark, what do you think about pickleball? Well, I'll tell you the first time I was subject to hear about this sport was uh, doing Patty Blylevin, Bert Blylevin's ex-wife's podcast, and she plays it religiously. I still don't know what it is. I haven't really sat there and watched it, but I know LeBron James has put some money into this sport and a lot of guys are invested in it. So, it's, it's kind of like sweeping the uh, country right about now. Art, or are you going to invest in pickleball? <laughs> no, but I'm going to go to Dillsburg next week and when
7: they do the pickle drop for a Halloween. But I don't know much about pickleball. I'm in Mark's camp on that one. But I will tell you this, LeBron James seems to have the magic touch. So if he believes in it, and I did see a bunch of PGA Tour guys were playing it in an exhibition last week in Dallas. Jordan Spieth was involved in it. I don't like the sound of the pickleball. You know the other thing I don't like? The one where they throw the damn the, the sandbag into the little holes.
4: That's another sport I don't quite get.
2: <laughs> hey,
4: Fred, can I- folks, folks, again, if you get a shot, it's sort of in between badminton and, and, and ping pong. The rallies go fairly long because you have to serve underhanded. So you can't overpower Gosh. anybody. Mark, Mark you are going to The only cycle.
7: thing I did well in tennis, the only thing I ever did well in tennis was I had a great serve. I was like terrible at, you know, charging the net and hitting backhands and, you know, top spin forehands, but boy, I could serve.
4: <laughs> All <laughs> right, I was gonna... Art, you, Art, you mentioned LeBron James. Um, I, uh, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm going to tell you why. Russell Westbrook is not a bad guy. The one thing he could never really do all that well was shoot. Now, of course, now uh, he's a horrendous shooter, but here's a—he's he's a left-handed guy who does one thing right-handed, and that is play basketball. So, I mean, it, that's got to be part of the problem. He, he was a great player for two years at UCLA. He's a first-time Hall of Famer whenever he retires. LeBron thought it would work out. It hasn't worked out. I think Genie Buss has to do the right moral thing and trade – uh, hmm. trade Russell because I don't think it's fair for him being attacked uh, uh, Russell Westbrook and things well, you like know what, this.
2: There's
7: another point to this as well. Uh, LeBron James is not a very good three-point shooter, and that's why the Lakers are 0-4 right now. They couldn't throw a pee in the ocean right now, and they got to do something. And We talked well, about it in the off season. One of the things we talked about is putting Russell out there, Westbrook, with the younger guys and letting him attack the Rats, okay? That's his game, driving, penetrating, drawing fouls, dishing for the three-point shot. He can't coexist on the same court with Davis and and LBJ. That's just the
2: way I view it. Well, here's the thing, Uh, Fred. I, I totally agree with you. Russell Westbrook's a class act. He donated a lot of money to UCLA. He's being ran through the mill with the L.A. media here. The Lakers don't have shooters. They're not going to go anywhere without shooters on that team. And the big problem here is they're, they're, you're, you're exactly right. They should do something with Russell Westbrook. You know, it's funny because if LeBron's putting, you know, investments in pickleball and, and Jeannie Buss is now putting money into the uh, wow wrestling, how come they're not putting money into the Lakers and make this team reputable? Or, we, or is it like going to be like the New York Knicks where we just live off a tradition?
4: No, they, they ain't exactly. put money in it. They just put it in the wrong direction. Russell Westbrook has, to, has control to. LeBron the ball. James. LeBron James <laughs> has to control the ball. Jeannie has allowed uh, LeBron to become the general manager, and, and we see the results on uh, Wednesday of uh, this week. Uh, of course, Russell didn't play, and they still lose by 11 in a game they were down by 20 uh, to Denver. So my, my point is, it wasn't his fault on Wednesday. We'll see what happens. I just wish that Russell gets his choice of where they can send him. I don't care. It's not my money. It's not. It's Jeannie Buss' money. It's not my money. But he's going to get $47 million. I don't care about their draft choices that they're going to have to give up in any kind of deal. Just do the right thing and don't make him uh, take all this barrage of uh, antagonism for everybody. Yeah, he does the LA
7: media it. is really being unfair to him, friend That's just not right.
4: I agree 100%. 100%. All right. Let's talk about uh, baseball, baseball, baseball in the midst of the, the World Series. Aaron Judge, my guess is he stays with the Yankees, Mark. But uh, I've read now that the Giants are making a play for Aaron Judge. Uh, what do you think, Mark Mancini?
2: Well, my money's on the Riverboat Gamblers. The San Diego Padres are going to get this guy. People think I might be crazy and I'm smoking something. I'm not smoking nothing and I'm not drinking nothing. I think he heads the San Diego they got Soto under club control. They'll blow off Manaya and Clevenger. Let me ask you, Mark. Mark, I got to ask you a question. What kind of
7: payroll are they going to have if they try to go get Aaron Judge, keep Juan Soto, keep Fernando Tatis Jr. and Mario <laughs> and, and Machado? Well, you
2: you <laughs> laugh, you laugh, but they can maneuver the books. You know, a lot of teams have been able to maneuver the books to get guys in there. They're they're going to go more than they did this year. All in. They're going to move the whole city in. And uh, I really I'll think Aaron what, Judge is going
7: to... Next year, opening day, Aaron Judge will be in right field for the New York
4: Yankees.
2: I don't think so. I don't think so. Now re-
4: think remember, has- now, now remember, folks, remember this. Mark Mancini is the world's worst sports handicapper. I agree with Art Source. He's going to be a Yankee for his entire career. That's just my gut feeling. Uh, Art, uh, what about uh, Danzy Swanson, uh, Young, great shortstop in Atlanta. I don't think they can afford to get rid of him. Uh, your comments. No, he's he's a, a uh, I mean, other than Trey Turner, a couple other guys, Lindor,
7: he's right there. I mean, this kid was a national champion at Vanderbilt. He's grown into a very slick fielding, power hitting shortstop. He's the glue that kind of won the World Series for these guys last year. Um, I like him. I've always been a Dan, Dansby Swanson fan, and if I was the Braves and Antonopoulos, I would definitely put him on the agenda to sign. Um, and I think the Braves are going to be a tough team next year if their pitchers get healthy. And they, you know, the one thing they got to get rid of is they got to get rid of Ortiz. Geez. Not Fred, very good.
2: I want to. I want to talk about what I was saying a few years ago, and people laughed at me on this when I said Bryce Harper is a much better ball player than Mike Trout. I think now people are starting to believe that right now because I think when I look at Bryce Harper, he plays the game like one guy I saw growing up, and that's Pete Rose. Any thoughts on that? Okay, hold on a second, Mark. Mark,
7: you know I had nothing against Bryce Harper. He's fabulous. He's a top-five player in Major League Baseball. But you're telling me that you think he has the five tools better than Mike Trout?
2: Oh, I love the way he plays the game. I love the way he inspires stuff. I I haven't seen a guy play baseball like this since Pete Rose. See, I'm down the
4: middle. I'm I'm down the middle. I'm down down the middle on this. But let me just tell you, uh, from one side, uh, of course, Bryce Harper uh, started off as a catcher. So he can play some other positions, but he hasn't in the major leagues. Uh, The other guy has played center field versus right field. When uh, he's not a DH, when uh, Harper's not a DH. So I don't know if I can lean one way or the other. I think they're both great. Uh, obviously, uh, consistency uh, uh, as far as uh, our center fielder is concerned, uh, Trout, uh, uh, he's a Hall of Famer if he retires right now, and, and we'll see what happens the rest of uh, Harper's career. But uh, uh, also, very quickly, uh, you know, people were talking about. Uh, Carlos Correa, and very quickly, because we only got like a minute in this uh, segment here, Uh, Mark, I don't think, people were saying if they get rid of uh, Trey Turner, the Dodgers, then uh, Correa might play for Los Angeles. After the 2017 World Series, there is no shot of the Dodgers going after Correa. Agree or disagree,
2: Mark Mancini? I'll say this in 10 seconds, winning cures everything. So I think Correa, with his bat consistent, they'll probably be on him at first, but then they'll kind of do it kind of like LeBron James. You saw LeBron James, they hated him, and then he came to L.A., and all of a sudden, he delivered a championship, and they embraced him.
4: Art, Art in 10 seconds, agree or disagree? I don't think there's a chance in hell of Correa playing for the Dodgers.
2: (laughs) I don't think
7: he'll play in L.A. I think the the Dodgers will let Trey Turner go, and they'll put Gavin Lux at shortstop. (laughs)
4: <laughs> right, we're going to come back and play some Baron Sports Trivia later. Uh, the book is Calling Him Jack, the story of Jackie Robinson, Black Freedom Fighter, written by Yohura Williams, Michael G. Long. We'll talk to Yahurra And uh, first, uh, Barron Sports Trivia, and then Yohura, and then, of course, you at any point at sportsfredday.com Back with more
3: right up. Do you need to sell your home?
6: Don't wait another minute to see if you may qualify for your Social Security disability benefits. Call Pinnacle Disability Group at 800-593-7491 for your free case evaluation. That's 800-593-7491. 800-593-7491. Call now.
4: Yeah, we're back right here on Sports Overnight America, and folks, uh, Baron Sports Trivia. We've been doing it for about six months. It started by my cousins. Uh, Andy and Lisa and uh, I really enjoy it. I sort of like to embarrass the guys. Mark manstein <laughs> the world's <laughs> worst sports handicapper, and 120. 126- Not very
7: hard to art. do, friend.
4: <laughs> and, and, and 126-year-old Art Source. Uh, art, before we start again, every uh, night we do this. Uh, you take a different legal pill or legal medicine to keep you up. Uh, what are you taking this evening?
7: Well, you know, I've got the Awaken because we do this show so late, Sports Overnight America. And, uh, you know, some, some people get to listen to it at a normal hour on the West Coast. But, uh, yeah, I've got Prevaging going. I've got my Focus Factor. I've got New Riva. I've got Awaken. I've got a various you know, various <laughs> sundry different ones. But I will tell you this, Fred. I've been feeling good. I just had my physical. The doctor, you know, he asked me what I thought. And I told him, I said,
2: I think about a lot. Hey, hey Fred, can I ask you something? Yeah. Can he he send some of those pills to Tom Brady?
7: (laughs) 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 I think he forgot how to play quarterback. Thursday
4: was a rough night for Tom Brady. Okay, uh, Mark, you ready? Yeah. Only batting champion who in the season that he won the batting championship did not hit even. One home run. Who might that have been? Not George one, Brett. George, George Brett, didn't, Brett. Hit, didn't hit one home run. Is that what
2: you're saying? Uh, I'd have to. Oh, man, I'm. I'm. No, I mean he wasn't a, really a home run hitter. Um, well, Rod Carew. Rod Carew. Career. Okay, so you're saying Rod Carew? Uh,
4: uh, art source. <laughs> Rod Carew. George Brett. Either correct? Yeah or nay?
7: No, neither one of those are correct. I'm going to have to go with an old Chicago White Sox, like maybe Nellie Fox or somebody like that.
2: What?
4: Nellie Fox, Hall of Famer, (laughs) died very young of skin cancer. Uh, The answer actually is, this is an aberration, but Mark's right with his second guess, Rod Carew. In
6: 1972,
4: he hit 318, did not hit even one home run. All right, let's move forward, Uh, Art source uh, in Pennsylvania, Galaxy Sports. Uh, highest average in a season by a switch hitter. Highest batting average in a season by a switch hitter. That might have been?
7: Mickey Mantle hit 356.
4: Why Mick? Well, I mean, uh, why why Mick? Mick's greatest player, one of the great players of all time. Why particularly Mickey Mantle versus other switch hitters?
7: I I just, I I remember him, I think, hitting three fifty-six. I could be wrong on this. I mean, you know, you got Pete Rose in there. You got a lot of great hitters that were switch hitters. But I'm just, I just got a funny feeling it was Mickey Mantle.
4: Mark Mancini, agree or disagree with Art Source on the Mick? Uh, I agree with him. I agree. Boy, this is a weird weird show. Mark not taking the pills tonight. The legal pills, of course. uh, Two for two. Art's right also taking the pills. Mickey Mantle, three fifty-three in 1956. uh, Highest average ever uh, in a season by a switch hitter right here on Barron Sports Trivia. On sports overnight, America. Okay, um, Mark, you ready? Yep. Highest batting average not to win a batting title. Highest, so this guy hit very well, but he didn't hit well enough to win the batting title.
2: Who might this have been? Oh gosh, I think I might get this. I want to say Dave Parker?
4: Dave Parker of the Pirates. Yeah. Uh uh our source is a Dave Parker of the Pirates. I think it might be Rod Carew. <laughs> you think it's Rod I hear Carew? You're the redhead, three eighty. Okay, let me give you guys a hint. We found out through other means that this guy could not read or write. Mickey Rivers. Mickey Rivers couldn't read or write. Where'd you hear that? Well,
7: he never wrote me a letter.
4: Um, this, guy, this guy couldn't read or write. Yeah, he
7: couldn't read or write. How about how about uh, uh, Ty Cobb?
4: Well, he could read or write.
7: Oh, no, he's at, he's at, he's,
4: he's I'm sorry.
7: Shoeless Joe Jackson is the answer.
4: You're right. Shoeless Joe Jackson. Wow. Hit, he, get this, in, in 1911, he hit 408. Ty Cobb hit higher that year to win the batting title. So th- was I it remember,
7: the? Uh, I remember in that, that great movie Eight Men Out. I remember somebody so, mentioning that, but the guy hit over four hundred on one season, and he didn't win the batting title. I was like, Yeah,
4: wow. that's hard to be- that's hard to believe.
2: So, All right, here Fred, we go. Final
4: Fred, question.
2: What? If, if I may ask, so the only ones that have come close to hitting four hundred that I can remember, uh, chasing Ted Williams, would have been Tony Gwynn or George Brett. Correct.
4: Right. Yeah. George Britt, in fact, was over 400 in September and he dropped, uh, I think, 396. He ended at 396. Wow. I so uh, I knew his brother, Kenny, I interviewed him a lot of times, yeah. uh, died way too soon. All right, uh, Art, here we go. It's a tough one. Worst stolen base percentage in a career with at least 200 attempts at stealing bases wow. the worst stolen base percentage in a career with at least 200 attempts and i will tell you this art he's a hall of famer yeah that's wow i'm gonna have to go with maybe ernie banks ernie banks thats play two is it Ernie Banks, uh, Mark Mancini, that has the worst stolen base percentage in a career with at least 200 attempts? Lou Brock. Lou Brock would have a, a bad percentage of stolen Great bases. Question.
2: No, not well. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about it in a year. Um, no, as a career, career at least 200 attempts in a career. Well, how about how about Bill North? Bill, Bill, Bill North had
4: okay. Well, let me give you guys a hint. You ready? Yeah, yeah. Teresa, Teresa Wright. Oh, it's got to be uh, Lou Gehrig. <laughs> oh, God. Of course, in the movie, Pride of the Yankees, Teresa Wright played Lou's uh, uh, wife. And uh, yeah, Gary you get Cooper, this. Get, get this. As talented as Lou was in every aspect of the game, his stolen base percentage was 502. Basically, he was one for two. I, I don't. I don't need what? analytics to tell me that's not a winning stolen base percentage.
7: So 200 stolen bases, and he tried five uh, 498 times.
4: <laughs> well, 250 for 500, or something like well, that. Well, the way
2: Major League okay. Baseball is going next year, I'm, I'm sure some of these records are going to be shattered because if you throw three times over, the guy records a stolen base. Yeah. He's All right. So now, uh,
4: in our last couple of minutes in this segment. Uh, in the midst of the World Series, this is the first World Series in a long, long time. There is not uh, even one. Years, uh, there's not even one uh, USA-born uh, uh, black player in the game. Uh, the games, uh, Art Source. Why is that happening?
7: I think it has to do with Major League Baseball and the fact that years ago, years ago, they put a lot of of time into inner city. They put a lot of resources into the inner city and the kids had a great opportunity. I've talked to some of the great black athletes that I've known over the years since this all came to, to pass and three or four of them had mentioned to me that he thinks part of it is also the guys that, the, like Barry Bonds and, you know, players like that have not put in, put, given back to the game of baseball, build fields, in inner-city areas, and and it's really come. And they also think the game of baseball is very slow, and so the the fast-twitch kids want to play basketball. They want to play football. It's just really sad, Fred. There's a a whole litany of things, but I grew up in the, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and and all the greatest stars, you know, they were were black American players, a lot of them from California, strawberries and – and Davis is, you know, it, it's just it really hurts me deep, on a deep level yeah. to see, you know, such great athletes not playing Major League Baseball.
4: Mark Mancini, why do you think uh, uh, very few African-Americans born in the U.S. Uh, well, uh, born in the U.S. Uh, black players are not. Uh,
2: why aren't there more? Well, I think the part of the reason is and my idol is Willie Stargill. <laughs> But I think the same problem happened in the Major League Baseball where they haven't developed these guys, haven't built up the inner cities as much, is kind of the same problem the NFL is looking with the whole concussion era. I mean, these are two big problems here. I think the African-American ball player in baseball is like, what, 5% these days? Yeah,
4: it was 8% a few years well, you know, ago. It's down thing,
2: to.
7: Fred. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but Ricky Henderson, who's the all-time champion, stolen base leader, he rushed for 3,000 yards at Skyline High School in Oakland. Had a full ride to USC to play baseball and football. You look at guys like Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds was a, was a, a very, very fast player when he first came up, transitioned into a big power hitter. He Always had power. But, I mean, I think the excitement of the game also has something to do with it. I think, you, had, you know, you had to spend four or five years in the minor league you got a
4: chance to go to the big leagues unless you were somebody really special so i think that might have something to do with it as well all right uh, we're going to come back and uh, talk to uh your williams along with michael long they've written call him jack the story of jackie robinson uh, black Freedom Fighter back with more right after this on Sports Overnight. Progressive's Home um, Court
3: Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Now that we've covered something you could do, it's time for Sports Stuff You Definitely Could
5: Not
6: Do. If you were
5: head coach, you would not have gone for it on fourth down. Your confidence in your play calling ability might be a little overblown considering you're barely confident in which restaurant to order takeout from, let alone choosing a play in front of
3: 70,000 screaming fans. But you definitely can use Progressive's Home Court Explorer to easily compare rates. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations.
6: This is Staples. So
4: rumor has it that Staples has everything I need to ship.
6: Mm-hmm. We have all the shipping supplies and services you need.
4: Boxes? Yep. Mailers?
6: Yeah, and we have UPS here in store.
4: Huh. What will Staples think of next? <laughs> right? No, seriously, I'm asking, what, what will they think of next?
5: Staples is your one-stop shipping destination. Now get 50% off shipping boxes, mailers, or tubes when you buy five of the same item, in-store or online with one-hour pickup. Staples, the best-kept secret in shipping. Ends 1231. Exclusions apply. Visit staplesconnect.com shipping for details.
3: Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you or visit colaguard.com.
1: I'm in. What's the best product I bought this year? Oh, that's easy. Salon POS pain-relieving patches. The proven medicines in Salon POS patches reduce my pain and let me do the things I need to do every day.
6: In a recent clinical study, patients using Salon POS reported improved sleep, mood, and the ability to work. They had less pain and were able to reduce their use of oral pain medications.
1: For pain, I use Salon pubs. It's good medicine.
4: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Sports Overnight America. You can email us, sportsfred at aol.com. Brand new book out, Call Him Jack, the story of Jackie Robinson, Black Freedom Fighter, written by Yajira Williams and Michael Long. And Yajira Williams now with us. And welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Earl, let me tell you, I've read a lot about Jackie Robinson. I've been a UCLA fan since the age of five, Dodger fan, uh, so it sort of all worked together. Um, I didn't know that his mother was such a fighter herself, and I think that's what uh, pushed Jackie in the direction, of course, uh, to becoming a uh, black uh, freedom fighter and fighting for what he thought was right. Talk about that.
0: Absolutely. It was one of the the reasons that Michael and I really wanted to write this book is we felt like so much of the influences um, that ultimately we see manifest in Jack later on as an activist um, really uh, have to do with his origins and his mom's influence. And his mom uh, was somebody who was pushing back against the boundaries of racial inequality uh, even before Jack was born. So she leaves the plantation um, where... um, she's a sharecropper after her husband abandons the family for better opportunity in california she um when she moves out to california purchases a home on an all-white um block and is terrorized by the ku klux klan the family has you know cross burned on their lawn and and they're um basically uh uh, accosted by their neighbors and yet throughout all this uh his mom uh uh continues to assert the need for first-class citizenship and to impart those lessons to Jack so she's a huge influence on him and it was important to recover part of his story.
4: Talk about his uh, days at UCLA where people have stated that uh, actually baseball was his worst sport.
0: <laughs> yeah it's kind of it's, it's comical to think about it but even Jack himself I think would have admitted that baseball you know, he was, he was much more known for considered to be far more dominant in football. And I think it speaks to just the enormous talent he had as an athlete. Um, we talk about the, the four sports he played there. But one of the things that we talk about the book in the book is uh, in Pasadena, um, you know, he couldn't African-American you know, students of color, young people of color couldn't use the pool except for one day a week. And, you know, we, we Michael and I am used in writing this, imagine if, if Jack had had access to a pool. He was just so gifted um, um, with regard to his athleticism uh, that we talk about, you know, baseball not being his dominant sport at UCLA, and yet that becomes where he makes his mark. But, you know, people recognize his talent, and, and certainly the same was true in the Negro Leagues. Uh, uh, just his athleticism is what gave him the advantage, and you certainly see that in his college career, and you certainly see that before he joins the Dodgers.
4: The book is Call Him Jack, the story of Jackie Robinson, Black Freedom Fighter, written by Yahura Williams and Michael G. Long. Pick it up, major bookstores everywhere. You go to Amazon.com and uh, talk about his days in the Army, where once again, uh, he fought for what he believed in and eventually won.
0: Yeah, this is another great story about Jack. You, you can always see with Jack in um, at the forefront of his consciousness, this sense that he has a responsibility to represent um, the race, but also to fight for first-class citizenship. And in the case of the Army, it's uh, 1944. He's stationed in Texas, and he boards a bus um, uh, and is speaking to a woman on the bus who's very fair-complected, and the driver assumes that this is a white woman. And so he stops the bus and immediately demands that Lieutenant Robinson remove himself to the back of the bus. Well, Jack had read, um, there were Army orders that were sent out the US Army that said there was to be no segregation on US Army bases. And the reason they're doing that is obviously there's this propaganda that's coming out of Nazi Germany uh, that's saying, you know, here's the United States criticizing us for our treatment of the Jews, but in fact, look at America's race problem and specifically segregation and the treatment of African Americans. So the Army feels a responsibility to address that in the spaces that it controls, and that's on its basis. Well, Jack had read those orders, so when the driver demands that he remove himself to the back of the bus, Lieutenant Robinson refuses. Uh, this leads to a dust-up, um, another woman on the bus demands that the police uh, be called, officers come, and at that point, uh, they question Lieutenant Robinson about why he has refused to give up the seat, and supposedly, um, you know, Lieutenant Robinson cursed at the bus driver, so they arrest him. So I want to be clear at this point, if this doesn't go in Jack's favor, There's no way that Branch Rickey would have been able to reach out to him to integrate the Dodgers. In fact, that would have been a mark against him that would have been very difficult for the Dodgers to navigate, because people would have said, why are you bringing a felon on this person who was dishonorably discharged into Major League Baseball? It would have affirmed all the negative stereotypes that people had of of Black people, unfortunately, at that time. But when it goes before the military tribunal, Jack argues first and foremost that there are those army orders, so he was following orders. And then when they asked him specifically, because the driver had used a racial slur against them, and they said, you know, you know, why did you resist when the driver called you that name? And Jack's response is that my grandmother and my mother taught me that that word refers to a low and an uncouth person. I don't consider myself low. I don't consider myself uncouth. I don't consider myself an N-word. And he wins. So, you know, it's pretty amazing. Um, if Jack doesn't win that that battle, that court battle, certainly um, he's not going to be honorably discharged. It would have been impossible uh, to imagine Branch Rickey and the Dodger organization taking him on as a player in
4: 47. All right. We've all seen the movies. We've all seen the uh, the notes of uh, Branch Rickey meeting Jackie Robinson. But that was sort of an a, a interesting uh, scenario with uh, basically Branch telling him, we want you. But, well, and Jackie responded, basically, but, you know, what if, you know, people go after me? And he says, but I want you, but I want somebody strong enough uh, to not go after these kind of people. Talk about that.
0: It's such a great um, part of the, the mythology around Jackie Robinson is that what, what did it mean specifically when Branch Rickey said to him, um, you know, I want somebody with the strength not to fight back. The way that jack interpreted that is i want somebody who's smart enough to use their head and to think through what the consequences of certain behaviors might be including responding in kind when confronted in the way that jack was numerous occasions um in ballparks across the country um, being treated poorly because of his race and what you see in that moment you know that that tense meeting that that's taking place between the two of them Is Jack kind of, you know, branch tricky in some sense, recognizing that that is what Jack had done. I mean, the reason that Jack is such an ideal candidate is that if you look at his life up until that point, he certainly fought back. Um, This is one of the things that we emphasize um, in the book, that Jack was a fighter his entire life. But he fought back intelligently and using different means. And he understood the importance of, you know, um, that, that this was bigger than just him. This was about ultimately the integration of the sport as a whole. And he was willing to, you know, hold back that anger um, that, that first year. Um, and then that, after that point, of course, um, we talk about this extensively in the book. You know, Jack was pushing the boundaries of inequality within baseball and within society as a whole uh, pretty much uh, well after that.
4: The book is. Uh... Call Him Jack, The Story of Jackie Robinson, Black Freedom Fire, written by Yahura Williams and Michael G. Long. We're talking to Yahura Williams right here on Sports Overnight America. All right, so he signed. He's got to start in the minors, Montreal Royals, the number one Dodger farm team. But uh, Clay Hopper was the manager. Everything I've read about Clay Hopper and everything a lot of people have read about Clay Hopper, he was a pure Southerner. How did they get along?
0: Well, interestingly enough, you know Clay Hopper is not not a Jack fan in the beginning. Um, he's certainly someone who is uh, very much uh, reared in the, the tradition of segregation, and you know he uses you know uh, very colorful and inappropriate language to describe Jack as a as a player. But over the course of their time together, Jack wins his respect, and, and Hopper. Um, you know, warms to the idea, and I and I and want to use this language in, in a in a qualified way that in fact this this uh, person on this team was a human being. In fact, Jack breaks down um, even Clay Hop- uh, Hopper's deep-seated animus toward African Americans by the way that he uh, comports himself both on and off the field. It was it was hard to argue that Jack was ready for the big leagues. In fact, you know, there's the, the famous story about Hopper asking Branch Rickey, "Do you really think they're they're human?" Um, about African-Americans. You really think that they're equal. And by the end of that, um, that, that time in Montreal, Clay Hopper is able to say um, in interviews about Jack that you know, describes him as a gentleman. And that's, that's really important. So through the, the force of not only his play on the field, but his character and his conviction, um, Jack was able to win over um, someone who certainly was not a fan and someone who, as you rightly note, um, had a reputation as you know, a rabid racist.
4: Jackie Robinson goes on, of course, to have a great career with the Dodgers. They win the World Series finally in 55. But uh, after the 56 season, uh, he's actually traded at the Giants. And he says, no, I'm just going to retire. Talk about that.
7: His body
0: was breaking down. And I think at that point, it, it's very interesting with Jack's career. He's 47 to 55. Uh, he's the you know, uh, rookie of the year, but the oldest rookie of the year. and So at that point, I mean, you can even see it in the World Series you know, he had lost a, a step. And, you know, it was at that point, uh, he did not want to subject his family to the move and, and to go through the process of, of playing for another team. And so he decided to retire. He also had other things at that point that he wanted to do, although Jack didn't think of himself as um, a civil rights leader um, and certainly was deferential to Uh, people like the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. In fact, he was looking for ways to elevate um, his activism. And he did that not at the front of a protest line, although he certainly um, supported the NAACP and and, in 1963 goes down to Birmingham to work with Dr. King. But he does that by going on to become an executive at a a restaurant chain in New York, where he's a vice president for human resources, uses his platform there to create more job opportunities for for blacks and Latinos, he becomes the founder of Freedom National Bank to try to ensure low interest housing loans for uh, people of color, African-Americans and Latinos and for entrepreneurs as well. And then ultimately, um, you know, right at the, the twilight, twilight of his life in his last year, he and his wife are working uh, to create a construction company so they can actually build homes. So, you, know, you see this kind of evolution with Jack where he, as he's leaving or transitioning from baseball, it's him thinking about what are the next logical steps in trying to create opportunity. And it really is encapsulated in that wonderful phrase that he becomes famous for. Life is not important except in the impact it has on other lives. And you see Jack really living that, that value system throughout his life.
4: We've got a couple minutes to go here, but there's something that always intrigued me about Jackie Robinson. My mom, when I was very, very young, was a major John F. Kennedy supporter. Uh, Jackie Robinson supported Tricky Dick, Nixon. Explain that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Jack is um, a Rockefeller Republican, and there was an allegiance kind of historically, I'm going to try to give you the thumbnail version of this. Uh, African Americans <laughs> have been very um, loyal to the Republican Party growing out of the Civil War with the party of Lincoln, and yeah. the Democrats had always been a party of white supremacy. So in a lot of ways, um, when you think about Jack's politics in the 1960s, um, it made sense because he's looking at um, Nixon and Nixon's policies. We, we often talk about it in, this, in the sense that the Republicans in that moment were um, fiscal conservatives. Um, they had a better record on race for the most part, at least in terms of people seeing them as the party of Lincoln. And that really doesn't change until SDR and the New Deal. But that's still in its, you know, even though people are like, well, that's the 40s to the 60s. You've got FDR, you've got Truman, um, and the Dixocrats both the Democratic Party because Truman introduces a civil rights plank at the Democratic Party. So the Democrats are still seen as somewhat sketchy. Um, and so that's why he supports Nixon. Uh, later on, you see Jack, and, and, and we all still talk about this in the book, Jack himself was a, a, an independent his whole life, but he leaned Republican. And he was very good friends with Nelson Rockefeller, the Republican governor of New York. So he's more along that. Nelson uh, Rockefeller Republican rather than, um, and and certainly he'll, you know, push back against uh, the Republican Party um, in the 60s in the rise of a more conservative, uh, you know, kind of white supremacist uh, arm of that party.
4: We lost Jackie 50 years ago and uh... We lost a a great man. The book is uh, Call Him Jack, the story of Jackie Robinson, Black Freedom Fighter, written by Yohuru Williams and Michael G. Long. And Yohuru, thank you so much for appearing tonight on Sports Overnight America.
0: So great to be with you. Love the program.
4: Thank you, Yohuru, very, very much. Back with more on Sports Overnight America right after this.
1: Visit www.fda.gov slash sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration.
4: Hey, welcome back, everybody. It is Sports Overnight America. I'd like to thank your, your Williams for appearing. Uh, uh, he's written along with Michael G. Long, Call Him Jack, the story of Jackie Robinson, Black Freedom Fighter. Pick it up in major bookstores everywhere, Amazon.com. Cooper Cop of the Rams indicates that... Uh, to stop the concussions, to stop the injuries, to stop the CTE, you ought to be playing purely on grass field, nothing artificial. How many years would that take, in your opinion, Mark Mancini?
2: It'd take a lot of years, but I think we're going to see this sport go to flag football pretty soon in the next couple decades. Uh, maybe we can see this thing, but I think that's where it's going. The way You think with all the money the NFL would do, they develop some helmet or something, but I know it costs a lot of money, but I think we're headed to flag football, and you're starting to see that in the high schools these days.
4: Yeah, I've said within 50 years we'll be playing
2: flag. Artie, you played
4: for the Rams. Uh, you kicked for the Rams. I don't. Cons- is that considered playing? I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> uh, what about hey, grass fields? Would, the- would that help the circumstance?
7: You know what? There was a great Dallas Cowboy running back in the 60s named Joe Don Looney, and he said if he couldn't smoke it, he didn't want to play on it. And I feel that way about grass okay? Football is meant to be played on grass fields. I can't even watch a Notre Dame game on NBC anymore because the, the, the home field advantage that Notre Dame had, it was like playing in a cow pasture with seven inches of grass. They slowed the speed down. They did it every time we went there when I was at SC. And I think grass fields, there's no reason why you cannot have grass fields in the NFL. Saquon Barkley on grass is a great, great running back. On AstroTurf, he's a knee injury waiting to happen. Look <laughs> at what happened the last two years with McCaffrey when they put took the grass out in Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium. He went out both years with leg problems. I have walked on AstroTurf and kicked on AstroTurf, and I'm sore the next day just from walking and running around as a kicker. I can only imagine... I was with Ricky Bell on the flight home from Washington State when we played in the Kingdom against, uh, against Jackie Sherrill's uh, ball club. And Ricky Bell got the ball 52 times. He was never the same as a human being after that. He spent weeks in the jacuzzi. You can't run on that, that turf. It's just very, very bad.
4: Agree with you 100%. Uh, All right, for Art, for Mark, for Mario, for everybody, stay tuned for more on Sports Overnight America.